becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger stood around a crowd. It's a dream that you to make real. Passing note of the song. Glimmer, glimmer of the ship you see. Okay, without getting into the weeds <laughs> of the psychological perch uh-huh. that I I do think dismantles the idea of determinism. Well, I think yeah, it's yeah. So I think that if if I so when I listened to his free will book, I noticed a, a certain amount of darkness settling in on me. Because if I consider the possibility of that, there's something really enticing about that. Mm-hmm. The world is deterministic. Whatever it is that I'm struggling with right now, what to do in my relationship, uh, whether or not to have another smoke when mm-hmm. I quit or whatever. It's like, if I, subcom- if I just say, well, I live in a deterministic world. I have no power mm-hmm. over this. So I just do, I would ultimately resolve myself to my bo- most immediate basic wants. Well, not necessarily. It's like, cause you might have, it might be where you overcome those things and that's, you were determined to do that, but still it doesn't really matter. So it, it could be like, uh, uh, you know, uh, like he uses the thing about eating. I think there's an example. The dieting know, example. The dieting example. Oh, okay, yeah. Let's talk about this one. Yeah. So, I mean, so the lady or the person was, uh, you know, dieting and, you know, they, they, at first they try and then they fail mm-hmm. and then, but they try again later on and they sort of succeeded and there was nothing that they could have done about it one way or the other. It was well, he all, says just that it was just that the first time, you just didn't have access to the right books and ideas, uh-huh. and the second time you did, which is a com- it's a compelling story to tell. But it doesn't really matter. <laughs> well, my argument against that is mm-hmm. that everyone knows that's not what happened. Yeah. What happened was that the first time that the lady dieted, in her deepest, darkest self, mm-hmm. she said, I don't want to diet anymore. Yeah. I think that's what happens. Yeah. You don't really want, you don't really want, you don't really want it. Yeah. And I think, I I think you can, you can want something 99% and still choose against it. Mm -hmm. And, and your deepest shame exists in that as well. Mm -hmm. And you can say, well, I guess Sam would say, well, that, that 1% deep dark part of you hadn't read the right book. Mm Mm-hmm. Or a certain amount and of I think I think though that that shame that's in the one percent says no it had nothing to do with books. Mm-hmm. It was me. I didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I think. Oh, shoot. That's but but to to play out the deterministic point of view, there would be no point in considering that Mm-mm. or thinking about that. There would be no point in going on the diet in the first place. Well, it wouldn't really matter. You would you would. The deterministic point is that you would either go on the diet and succeed, or you would go on the di- diet and you wouldn't succeed. But it's already you're al- it's already going to happen as it will. So success right. or so, failure so if I'm, is not. So if I'm sitting at any point in life and say to myself, "I should go on a diet," my arrival at that thought mm-hmm. was outside of my control, mm-hmm. and so. My next thought after thinking I should go on a diet, generally people who think I want to, or think I want to do anything that's hard, that's against some of my baser instincts. The next thought is, if I want to change those, the outcome of those instincts, the next thought is some amount of stress or fear, mm-hmm. like it's going to be hard. I don't know if I really want to do it enough to succeed. Mm-hmm. And you start interacting with that. And so if I live in a deterministic world, then there's no point in feeling all of that. So if I really subscribe to the idea, then the next time I experience that stress and fear, then I just say, no need. I don't need to feel it. But see, again, it's, I think that's why it's so hard to truly give yourself to this, 
even to talk about it yeah. is really, really, really difficult because even the way we're talking about it, we're giving agency and possibilities and, you know, and I think that's the thing that you yeah. can't, you can't really accept a deterministic world truly. And anybody who talks about it, in that I agree. Way, I just, unless you're a complete nihilist. Well, I do think that's where it goes. I'm, mm-hmm. but I, nihilist, I, not necessarily everything turns out bad, but just that. I agree with it you. I don't think it, I don't think that anybody can be deemed to be living their life in a way that demonstrates that they believe that the world is dem- yeah. is uh, deterministic. Mm-hmm. But if I were to try. Yeah. I wonder what the outcome would be. I think that's the thought process I'm trying no to try. go down. <laughs> well, not in a deterministic world. Uh, this like <laughs> See, it's just, it's, it breaks it's, down so quickly. But does. I want to follow this. Like, if I say, you know what, I really like this idea of determinism. Mm-hmm. I'm going with it. Yeah. Everything is outside of my control. The idea that my that I have neurons firing firing in my brain that give me some concept of control mm-hmm. is an illusion. It's an accident. Mm-hmm. Just like everything else, things are going to happen how they happen. But it's weird because then you're ha- using a narrative now, you know, which is which is. It, it's yeah, so you're right. Because I, I don't because I, even funny, thought, I, I want you to keep going with this. Right, but even my thought process is saying I will plan for how things will happen in a deterministic world, but planning negates determinism. Uh-huh. And ultimately, and that was the Brett's point. Ultimately you have to say it doesn't matter. I mean, that's just kind of where determinism ends. It's nihilism. It's nihilism. But, and again, it's not even nihilism in like most people think of nihilism as like, like let it all burn or it's all bad type thing. But nihilism is also in the sense of, it could turn out all good. You are the richest person in the world mm-hmm. and you have, you know, you're so happy and you do all these things or you could be in middle, middle America and be so happy. And, you know, it's like, yeah. but it's just, it, there is just no meaning to it. And you ha- you have no agency in that coming to flourishing. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, so, and that was the point I think Brett kept pushing on and Sam would just halt it and then go full determinism and then flow back into this sort of freedom, this free will, this observation, this, I feel, I, you know, I perceive. So he can't, he couldn't do it. Well, either. that's the interesting thing is it's like, he wants to reconcile his own existence with some fabricated picture of what he wants things to be like. He wants to say the world's deterministic mm-hmm. and I got to figure out how to fit my life into that. Yeah. Whereas <clears throat> that's what it seems like. There is no world outside of your life. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's like the, you can't separate those two things. Well, it's so much cleaner. It's so much easier. I think that's, I think for me, when I see, when I hear him arguing that I feel like it just simplifies everything for him. Mm hmm. And it's so much nicer to, to see that. Yeah. And so where he tries to keep the free will, although he won't call it that, is this sort of psychological component and this observational part. So he kind of gets to keep himself in a, in a sense in this determinist. So it's like, because I think that's the thing is like he's found that he can't, he can't fit his life into this deterministic part, this right. deterministic outlook. And I think that's probably why that meditation, like he's really big on meditation right now and, and the sort of observing yourself. And so I think that's, I think that's sort of the reaction to that determinist because it doesn't fit, you know, the, to be logically consistent with a deterministic outlook. I mean, ultimately reality and consciousness itself is confounding. It's frustrating and also the most exciting yeah. thing that you've ever experienced. Well, that's, I think that's a, I think that's the, the safest position is, is there are certain aspects that are determined how much we don't know. We have a certain amount of agency, free will, how much we don't know. Mm-hmm. 
And somewhere in that spectrum is where we function. And it could be said that some people have more agency and less agency. Give me an example of two people who have more and less agency. Uh, it's, I mean, it'd be very anecdotal, but I'll try to like, I'll try to, well, I think of, of when you read all, or you, oh shoot, I really want to give more of a, um, of like of actual specific examples. None, none come to my mind. So I have to like kind of make up something, okay. <laughs> make up a, make up a scenario or a story. Um, but you can kind of see the story of somebody who has, who has kind of grown up in a place where they've been ignored. Um, their parents really haven't invested in them. Didn't show them the love and affection that they may need. Um, and when they were at school, not being familiar with what love and affection and, and, um, healthy relationships are like having no examples of that have hard time connecting with other people and and that's the story that they mm-hmm. believe and have been has been demonstrated and they don't know any different because they haven't had that example of somebody who said no it doesn't have to be this way let's learn some skills mm-hmm. you know go you know, hi, my name is Sarah. My name is Joe. What's your name? You know, it's, I mean, simple skills like that. That sounds so ridiculous. <laughs> it doesn't, though. I mean, it, that isn't even a simple skill. Mm-mm. Like introducing no, yeah, yourself to someone. Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. Even people who were brought up to introduce themselves well still struggle with that. Mm-hmm. So you have that that aspect where, you know... You know, I think the way that like we're raising our kids is, you know, there's a lot of possibility out there. What do you want to do? Okay. Well, how do you want to go about that? Hmm. Can you do that? You know, that there's this engagement yeah. of getting someone to think about what is possible. Oh, wait a minute. I have, I've, you, again, that's the whole idea of teaching too, is, is broadening somebody's ideas of what is possible and how Mm. you fit into this grand narrative that you've sort of been born into that you know nothing about, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't know about what happened in the sixties with, you know, uh, women's rights and, um, uh, you know, all the way back to, you know, slavery to, Right. You know, the emancipation. And as much as you read like, about it, mm-hmm. as much as you learn about it, you will never have experienced it. Mm-hmm. So there will always be information that is lost to you. Yeah. But there's, a, but there's something but about that. But you will that, inherit that, something that mm-hmm. is new to you yeah. that wasn't exactly true then. All of that gets forged into something that you inherit, which is yeah. net different. Well, it, it's something like even, even what was us there. in the U.S. is like we live... You know, I think it was like 1890 people lived on less, 90% of people lived on less than a dollar a day. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's ridiculous. It's lower than the absolute poverty rate uh-huh. now. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, it, we, we can't even comprehend that. Well, this is why, I, I think this is why I say that narrative is ultimately a creative force. Hmm. Oh yeah. Because you don't, you don't get to live the past before you were born, but you get to inherit the morals of it. Mm -hmm. And that becomes this massive store of power that you use to push forward. And I don't think we really understand that power. What you think about it does end up being exponential. Like even over mm -hmm. the last 130 years, we have drastically changed the world almost without trying. Mm -hmm. Like, the majority of us are doing just what it is we can do. Mm-hmm. We're just, you know, getting up and trying to make it through the day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we are standing 
on the shoulders or, or I, I want to say that a different way. We are being carried forward by a tidal wave mm-hmm. of power. Mm-hmm. And while we can't control it completely, we do add to it. And to the extent that we decide what we add to it, we change it. But you think about all the powerful narratives. I mean, Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. I have a dream. You know, I mean, that's that narrative that he gave at that time was just so powerful and it was so inclusive. And it made it broke down the barriers between men and women, different skin colors, different religions. You know, it's like that narrative was so powerful and so uniting. And, you know, even even uh, Václav Havel in the Czech Republic, live wins out. You know, you're coming from a a communist uh, occupied, um, I guess you can probably use that word for, you know, Czechoslovakia and then become Czech Republic. Yeah. And he's got this slogan love wins out and everyone thought that was ridiculous i took this great picture when i was in oh did you? the czech republic uh-huh. uh, a couple years ago uh-huh. of a monument to him that has that yeah but it was ridiculous like mm. people did not believe him because mm. they were used to the government making them go to uh different events and to to sort of wave flags for certain things and so when you have this playwright you know, yeah. as president now, and he's he's building this narrative, but you're, he's building a narrative to a broken people that don't trust this person that's that's wanting to build a different narrative. Yeah. But when he died, you saw that narrative take over. You know, I mean, for the most part, I mean, obviously, it's a lot more complicated than that. But just the shift from like the. Mm early nineties and eighties to present day is, is pretty huge. Uh, um, yeah, there's, there's some really, yeah, uh, but narrative is, is hugely power. The, the narratives that you believe have such a huge effect. If you believe everybody's out to get you, you know, whether it is like a power hungry money person, you know, everyone's after my money. And so you have to protect, protect, protect. And that's a narrative that you have. The narrative that you have, or the narrative you believe is much more, has a much greater effect on your life than any fact that you might be able to attempt to set outside of it. Totally. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I would, yeah. Narrative has as a yeah as a greater effect than any sort of fact i would believe yeah how you fit yeah i'm about to say how you fit the facts into your narrative i'm just i'm just wondering how somebody could dismantle that argument and i think mm-hmm. you could fairly easily but i'll do it yeah i mean there's certain you... well i could tell myself you could so somebody could say well okay tell yourself a story uh about what cyanide is Mm -hmm. and how it affects your body, and then eat some. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that's that's really great because there's this this thing that always sticks in my head. It's like reality will always catch up to you. Mm -hmm. It's like if I think I'm invincible and I go and step in front of a car, I'm going to get run over. Like there's a certain port, there's this check. Reality checks you. Mm -hmm. You know, even, even in your... You're, you know, whether, uh, but again, you start, then you start getting these religious terms too, which is funny. Like before we had all the signs that we had is sort of pride, vanity. It's like, there's these checks that happen mm. that check your narrative. That's, you that's know? true. And I guess this <laughs> is what I describe as the, is the, <laughs> the larger narrative, which is how do you conceptualize those mm-hmm. checks? Mm-hmm. You oh, conceptualize yeah. them as sins. Mm-hmm. You conceptualize them yeah. as poisons. Mm-hmm. Do you conceptualize them as some force, force of gravity, perhaps? Mm-hmm. Natural law. And I guess that's <coughs> ultimately why I say that everything is narrative, because <coughs> things only are to you what they are based upon the story in which they exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's some... 
and I think that's the part of reality is it won't allow you to tell certain stories. Like the ter- like Sam's deterministic okay. story. Okay. You know, it's like what, what, what I saw in that podcast was that reality would not let Sam tell that story. And he even used the language and felt that pressure that reality was saying, this story is not true. Hmm. You're trying to work around that story and you can make it sound somewhat true, but it's still, it's, and that's, I felt that that's what I felt from that, that whole podcast was, and I felt Brett was trying to kind of push it out just a little bit further, but Sam wouldn't allow that. He wouldn't go there. The meaning part, the mm-hmm. teleos, you know, it's like he, every time it kind of like as Sam was pushing out into it and then Brett was going to take it out a little bit further and define exactly where, where Sam was going. Then Sam would just back into his fortress. Yeah. And so I think that's the part we can be really careful of is when we're like, when we're, when we're looking at the narratives that we believe and that we're t- the narratives that we're telling is whenever you bump into something to take notice. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we tell better stories when we're conscious of the fact that we're telling a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you think about it too. I mean, our kids are continually that, you know, we bump our story and our kids are sort of like, no, <laughs> like, well, no, no, no. I'm the dad and you do what I tell you to do. No. <laughs> That's not Shit. a good story. I don't like that <laughs> yeah, story. I don't like that story. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. This is the story. All Try right? again, yeah, Dad. <laughs> you know, and it's a check. It's like, oh, something's, something's, there's, there's conflict here. Mm-hmm. And there's something wrong with the story that I'm saying is that you say what you do, what I tell you to do. Okay. What's wrong here? And so then you, your, your story gets checked and you have to learn a different story. Like, oh, Oh, they're actually having a really hard time at school right now, and they're reacting to me in this way. Mm. Or when you become aware of some element of the larger story that you mm. weren't previously taking into account. Yeah. Or they're or right now they're really trying to find their boundaries, and they need to actually bump up against me because I'm safe, mm-hmm. and they need to be able to bump up against me and understand that I'm safe. You know, so that narrative can be. A lot of, but you have to, when we bump into those conflicts and the narratives that we understand and, and see, it's, it's, I think that's where we have to like dig deeper into, oh, why is that, you know? Yeah. Well, that's such an interesting thing. The why, why is it that way? So I can either look at the why is it that way question Mm -hmm. and say, well, that supports the idea of narrative, which mm-hmm. supports the idea of agency yeah. and supports the idea of free will. Mm-hmm. But I also think Sam would say, you don't have free will because what you just did, well, why did you do what you just did? Mm-hmm. Because of some previous cause. And mm-hmm. why did that cause arrive? It's the effect of some previous cause. So his, his asking why leads yeah. him to determinism, mm-hmm. whereas my asking why leads me to a narrative structure mm-hmm. in which I have agency. Yeah. And that agency... Why is that? What's the is, difference? Well, I think... It, it, but it, when you say you have agency, too, you also see that your agency is restricted in certain respects. The no from your kid or you know, some other part, too. So there's certain restrictions, but you still... You're going forward with the idea that you have some sort of agency. You know, it might be to dig a little bit deeper and then then you have more agency because you have more knowledge of that situation. And so that you can make a, a shift in your narrative in order to to meet that specific need. But uh, okay, so, so for me, I want to give Sam a favorable, a different favorable outlook. <laughs> Good. I, I think that's deserved. Well, I, 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 okay. So I don't believe if I were just to, if, if, cause I, he does run the deterministic line really hard. 
So I'm going to, I'm going to take that away from him. And more what I hear him saying is that there's all this stuff that is happening. And I, I feel like the only, the, the most is, is like he is watching and observing these things happen and that he might not call it agency. He might, he would say that he has no effect on outcomes, but he is more, he is an observer of what is happening. And that's, 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 that's I think that's as far as, as you can go with his, with his argument for determinism. So it's still determined everything, but he has an agency that's not free will, but it's, it's an observation of all that is, all that is, all that is coming to flourishion. So all, so all that is, is a movie that's already been shot that, Mm -hmm. that is playing out. Yeah. That cannot be changed. The only exception Mm -hmm. is that I get to watch it Mm -hmm. and think something about it. Yeah. And that maybe it, it would change my experience of what is already playing out. But I know isn't your experience know, necessarily know, know. a part of what's playing out. But I'm, I'm I'm trying to give him the favorable part. It's but it's sort of as the person in the movie theater is not the person in the in the act. So it's like, <laughs> golly, it's so horrible. It's almost like you. I think maybe to put it in like a really bad terms, it's like if you were the murderer and you are murdering somebody, you could sit back and watch that, and but you're watching it happen. You are not that participant that's doing those things. I mean, I, I, I feel like that's, that's sort of an extreme example of what he's I feel saying. Like that's a, I feel like that's a sociopathic oh, it is. I, I, yeah. perspective to take. It's like, I don't have to feel any empathy or guilt because that's not me. I'm just yeah. watching me. Yeah, but th- I think that's... That and and there, I think that there are people who feel that uh-huh. or experience that, yeah. but that's not the vast majority of us. Well, that, but that's, we I, are not free from guilt and empathy. Well, I see I'm taking it. That was, that was a really bad example. And I mean, not the bad example, but the, the, the horrific example of what he's mm-hmm. talking about, but what he's, but, but he, isn't that he, the same? Well, no, he's thinking of it in a way of sort of life is unfolding and there's unfortunate things that happen and I'm observing these things. So he's, he's kind of more thinking of from like maybe like a, a normal quotations life in that you're observing that um, because he would say like, well, maybe that killer had a tumor or child stuff. And, you know, it's like all these things that child stuff. Yeah. Child Who stuff. doesn't have child stuff? I know. Well, some people have more worse, but like it's, <laughs> but yeah, it's. It, it, it doesn't really work. I mean, I think that's the part that we well, keep bumping up against. that's the problem to me, though, is like, e- even if you say, okay, Hitler has a tumor, mm-hmm. and that explains all of his behavior. Mm-hmm. Well, what good does that do? Yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't say that someone who doesn't have a tumor doesn't have free will. Well, he would say that you, I mean, he mentioned this in, I don't know which, which one it was, but that you would lock that person up. Like that, but, but even then it's talking about as a agency. I know it's as a deterrent, like you would lock that person up. You'd go to war with that person. But again, he keeps stepping out into (laughs) that. But then there are people who have tumors that don't commit genocide. So it's like, we're getting into a minority report situation in which you have judgment and agency. Mm -hmm. And so you've already. Well, I think that's the thing. his, His viewpoint, you can't go there. It's basically, I mean, it's, it's, you are observing and that's it. And that, and so it's, so everything else is as it is. And I, except for your judgment of it. Yeah, possibly you could, you could throw judgment in there, but you have no, you have no agency in changing outcomes. So you could you could be sitting back here watching the movie and being like, oh, well, that was stupid. Oh, that's not good. But that fits that fits the spectrum of evil killer Hitler, which is always easy to use to Mother Teresa. Any one of those people are sitting back in their movie theater and watching what is unfolding. And we and we both we both don't 
agree or you know that there's there's more agency involved but i think outside of because he doesn't go full determinism Mm -hmm. i feel like that's the closest that you could give him outside of outside although he continues to move into agency which 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 completely does away with determinism so I feel like that's, that's that's as far as you can go as sort of everybody's uh, sitting in the movie theater of their life and they might be able to make judgments and thoughts about what's happening, but it has no impact on what's going to unfold. And I and I agree he doesn't he doesn't allow that to happen. Yeah, I, which I think would be true if you spent all of your time from that removed perch. What do you mean? Well. You, you sit outside of life and watch it unfold. And we all, we all mm-hmm. I think, can relate to that. Yeah, yeah. What it's like to watch ourselves do something. Yeah, totally. Right? But like, we don't, we don't exist just... 100% in that space. No. Mm-hmm. There are, and I think it is in the times that we experience meaning that mm-hmm. we come down from that place and enter into ourselves mm-hmm. and act in the world Yeah. in a way that is not inconsequential. Or even, I would even say there's 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 parts when we act outside of like really being in ourselves. Because there's parts when you are in yourself and you're acting and it's a moment, almost like a flow state kind of thing, mm-hmm. where everything goes, oh, it kind of glimmers or shimmers or whatever yeah. people will say about. And even in that state, you can kind of separate out and be like, yeah. oh my God, look at me. Uh-huh, totally. And then there's other parts where it's like you're doing something and you're like, whoa, look at that. and But you can see how the decisions or the things from your past have led to this very thing. Mm-hmm. So, but, but again, we're talking about a, a sort of a marriage of, you know, circumstances and agency. And then some conglomeration of the two. Well, I just look at Peterson. He was like, <laughs> what was that little hand motion? You I don't did? know. Peterson always does this. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's. I think that's a part too. It's it's like how how can we be like I don't know if we want to go here just yet, but how can we be? I want to say lead actors in our story or be more engaged in our story, but also the story of this life. You know, I think that's I think that's the part that is most fascinating to me. And I think both you and I are really interested in that. It's like, what is the, what are the narratives? What is the narrative? You know, how does that fit with this world that we live in? You know, I think that's because we both, we both see to some degree in some variation of there, we have agency. We also see how we are also confined in some ways too. Um, I don't know. I mean, that might be too big of a question to throw out right now to you, but like, like, how do you, how do you take that when you look forward with, Mm. with what you have versus, and also with what you already are confined by, not necessarily good or bad, but just there's certain confines, but then you also have an agency to project into the future. Well, I think that we all have some concept of not what life would be like, but mm-hmm. who it is that we might be, mm-hmm. what sort of character we might be in some future state of the world. Mm-hmm. If we were to fulfill the potential that we suspect that we have. Yeah. And every morning we get up and we sense that, we sense who that character is and we sense the gap between who we are and who that is. Mm -hmm. And then we either choose to wrestle with that or we don't. Yeah. And when we choose to wrestle with it, to struggle with it and say, you know what, who I am right now doesn't match that thing that I sense 
the person that I sense that I might be. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to do the best that I can to articulate the gap. Mm-hmm. And then look around me at my environment and say, what, what, what can I do within this environment, within this day, within the restrictions of this day to try to close that gap? Mm-hmm. And that's a wrestling process. And also who's modeling that gap. You know, I think when we, we think about, you know, the people that are around us, the biographies that we've read historically, you know, as we see different models of that narrative and like how we, how we engage the world. Like, so for me, like, you know, the, the possibility. So I like believing that everybody has that agency to, to be more than what they are, but they're also good. They're also, I'm trying to figure out how to say this like in the, in a, in a way that I mean it is, is like where they are is good, but they can't stay that place. It's like, there's something good about where you are right now. But you, but, but you can't stay there. If that makes sense, does it make sense? Yeah, because no one can stay where mm-hmm. they are. However good or bad the position you're in, you don't get to stay. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so that's the thing with with narrative. You know, so you know we have. You know, your Judeo Christian narratives, your Islamic narratives, Buddhist narratives, um, community narratives, you know, so it's like, what is it that I guess for me is like, what is the most unifying narrative and true narrative that when you bump up against something, it tests those narratives. And so that's the part that I'm, I'm most interested is bumping up against and figuring out what breaks and what doesn't break. Mm. And there's some things I know that are from what I read is, is that just, that it just don't work, you know, um, you know, like a Hitler type thing, like white nationalist, you know, Aryan race type stuff that doesn't work. (laughs) We've learned that, you know, (laughs) the gulag, the Russians, you know, it's like where uh, you know, it's like, there's these things that you see that just don't work. Mm-hmm. And so what, what does work? What brings people, the greatest number of people together and that kind of stuff. So I'm struggling to, to scope that, yeah. that proposition. How so? Well, so when you talk about bumping up against something, I, I think about children. I think about my mm-hmm. children. And they're constantly bumping up against you, like purposefully. They're trying to define the limits of their world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like, do I get to roll the window down in the car? <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Do I get to stick my hand out? Yeah. Yes. Do I get to stick my head out? Maybe. Do I get to climb all the way out and sit on the edge? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, where's the limit? Mm-hmm. I'm pushing for the limit. Uh, but then when you you frame that sort of bumping up against the narrative mm-hmm. in the larger context of all of humanity, yeah. what is the, what's the scope of sort of the moral of the story you're trying to tell? Yeah. Well, I think that's it. It's like, it's... It's like something for the happen- kid, it's like, don't die. <laughs> uh-huh. But for the, all of humanity, uh-huh. is it the least number of people dying? Is it like, what's the metric? Well, it's almost, that's hard. That's really difficult. Cause I, I don't know if you can, I don't think dying. That's like a really great, not dying is a great, 
not having like genocides. That's a great thing, you know, mm-hmm. but like, um, I, I don't know. So I think that's, I think what you're, where you're getting at is really good in that, you know, cause I feel like whatever happens on the micro is also, uh, applicable on the macro. So when you're talking about your kids or my kids too, it's like you have, you give them a certain amount of limits and, but then as they grow and mature and show responsibility, they have more freedom. Right. So you have to have a society which governs that in a way. Which imposes limits, but also awarded awards freedoms. Mm-hmm. So, so the more responsible you are with that, you become more free or, you know, like the less responsible you are with your freedom, you have more limits. I think that happens in general, just not even, you know, whether you want to call it uh, natural law or, or whatever, you know, it's like the more that you, I mean, the more you deceive and lie, the less people will trust you and you're limited in relationship and help because you're, you're very untrustworthy. Right. So you're, you're already, you're restricted just through social interaction. So you see something with lying and cheating that restrict but there's also something about being what, you know, it's like as you become more, you know, maybe with giving or helping other people, but it's not just in helping and giving to other people, but it's knowing in the right amounts at the right time, because which develops sort of wisdom, which gives you more freedom because you also know that, you know, you can't just go give someone a million dollars off the street because they don't know how to, they wouldn't know how to, 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 to use that million dollars. Like for me, like well, you could, Michael with one Medici you could. versus Michael with seven Medici's, I would not know how to, to manage what I'm doing right now. Right, but you could give someone on the street a million dollars. Yeah, you could, but it's not responsible. We think about it, like all the people who won the Well, the lottery, not responsible you know? because there are, there are, better ways to spend a million dollars is that yeah. your point well it, it, it's part of the point i mean if you think of the lottery like most of the people who i mean it's like a huge like 90 percent of people who win the lottery go broke within the next three to five years or something like that um and that's not a that's not a hard and fast fact but it's like a, it's a huge number of people right so if you don't have the uh, you haven't developed the responsibility to be able to handle or right. haven't Develop the. I think it's a truism. It's like you don't know how, you don't know how to handle what you haven't earned, Mm -hmm. because you don't understand what you haven't earned. Yeah, because you don't understand things based upon data points. You understand things based upon experience. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. For I mean, I, I see it definitely with with Medici specifically, like running one store versus running. Seven. It's mm-hmm. it's not a <laughs> it's not something that I would have been able to do very well. Well, because it's not seven times one. Well, just the to be able to build the infrastructure and to know how to relate to different people and to to manage managers that manage staff and you know it's it's there's different levels where it's like when I was doing just West Lynn, it was, it was, I was everything from plumber to manager to barista, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, but I don't know, maybe we're too far off on <laughs> where we're going with it. Uh, but I don't know, maybe we should kind of wrap up where, where all this, where we're all, where we're at with all this. <laughs> I think that's probably a good idea. It's yeah. feeling like the, the appropriate, wrap up time yeah so i okay so i will say there's a couple things i'd like to bring forward Mm -hmm. in our the thread of our conversation okay um one is the idea of meaning and how seemingly to me fundamental that is to our experience of reality Mm -hmm. i want to talk more about that okay um, 
Another is something that we didn't actually talk about, but the whole beginning of the Brett and Sam podcast, mm-hmm. the first 30 minutes at least was oh. about lying. Mm-hmm. And, and we did mention it, but yeah. um, there's a lot to be talked about on the mm-hmm. concept of lying. Yeah. I'd love to bring that forward. I'd have to read his book because I'm really interested in what he is. Yeah. I, I kind of, I think I can kind of grasp what he's getting at yeah. there, but. I'd like to read yeah. the book too. I, I'd like to gather some different perspectives on it because to me, the idea of lying is something of a conundrum. Not in that I don't know what to make of it, but it, mm-hmm. in that I don't exactly know why I make what I make of it. Okay. Um, that might be too much to get into right now though. Definitely. No, I'm <laughs> saying like, this is a thread I want to pull forward. Yeah. yeah okay. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. And I think I'd like to, I have a guest in mind to bring on for oh. a lying conversation. Okay. Yeah. Um, any, any concepts from this conversation that you'd mm-hmm. like to pull forward? Yeah. Um, I don't, I mean, I think narrative for me is something that's, which is also meaning too. Yeah. It's like, I think meaning and narrative are very hand in hand and the stories that you believe or we believe and I believe and how they shape your reality. I think that's, I think that's more impactful than any kind of like what you were getting at is facts is mm-hmm. what is the narrative and what is the, what is the meaning of that, of those things that you, um, orient your life around. I think, I think that has huge impact. If you mm-hmm. believe something about other people or yourself or society in general, that has a huge pack impact on how you interact with the world. Much more than anything you perceive as fact. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good yeah. one. But, and also, I, I also want to reiterate, like, like Matt and I, like, totally, like, really enjoy Sam and Brett, and even though we're giving, we're really, but that's the thing I love about Sam, is he puts his ideas out there, and he's going to be criticized. But that, I think it's really brave to be as outward as he is yeah. with that. And it helps for me, it helps me think through this to see that struggle and that, you know, it's like, even though I might be like, ah, oh, you're, you're not, you're not doing it with that. But uh, I really do appreciate somebody doing that, putting those ideas out there. So. Yeah. He is. He seems to me to be honestly having the conversation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which I think is why. I feel free to criticize it mm-hmm. because he's honestly having it. Yeah. And this is why it's a conversation worth having mm-hmm. and why Sam is the public figure he is. Yeah. And I, I respect that. And I would love to hear more from Brett. Like I know he was interviewing Sam, but I, w- I would love to hear cause he was wanting to go into this next part mm-hmm. as far as like how much, how free are we? Yeah, at the beginning, he was solution. like, can we just put determinism aside uh-huh. and then have a great conversation? And he never got to have that conversation. Yeah. And it was interesting, too, because Brett was wanting to... And that's the part I was I was really interested in, is basically he was talking about how the language of free will is probably not good. And so he, I, I saw him wanting to... Like as as the same idea of three hundred years ago, we didn't have the language of evolution to describe what hmm. where we came from and what what has come how things have kind of unfolded. And so he, I felt like he was taking the same idea with free will as sort of we don't have the language for free will. That my stomach's all crawling, <laughs> <laughs> but we don't have the language. So I, I kind of felt like he was making that analogy to evolution, to the, this discussion of determinism and free will. And so I was really curious where he wanted to take that. Yeah. What if we did an episode under those pretenses? What do you mean? Well, we've agreed that. Arguing determinism yeah. is pointless. Mm-hmm. What should you do in a world which is not completely deterministic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think you and I are already 
in that space, you know? We kind of just had it. Maybe, yeah, we kind of just had it, but I think that will unfold. I think like you're, or as we're talking about threads, mm-hmm. I think that like the meaning narrative and also how free are we and also understanding our limitations. Yeah. I think that that has also been a thread through our conversations. And I think that's, I think that's really hard to, to know your limitations or even acknowledge limitations, not necessarily that they have to continue to be a limitation, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then also where we actually are free and we have agency in areas that maybe we're not taking, um, we're not grabbing onto. Mm. So. <laughs> I I could just launch into another thing, but let's leave that one. Agency yeah. in how did you say it? Agency in uh structure? I don't know. <laughs> it was really great though. <laughs> Agency in, in places that we're not aware of yet. Uh, oh, that yeah. that is the that is the potential that I think fuels our most positive life experiences. Hmm. It is the, like the gap between who we feel we might be and who we experience ourselves to be. That's good, yeah. So let's pick that up sometime. Okay. Sounds good. Well, that was fun. That was. Yeah. Thanks for coming along with us. I'm really curious like how this how this unfolds, like uh, how this conversation, like you and I, I think we're, we were really stretched in this conversation. I felt that. Um, and if... If you guys feel that, it's probably because Matt and I are, we're stretched. We're really working through this and trying to understand, uh, giving Sam his due and and really trying to understand his perspective and Brett's. Um, So, I don't know. I felt pretty stretched. (laughs) was trying to like grab onto these things that I I don't have, I don't feel like I have as... That's... That's the place we intended to go. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so there we are. In mission accomplished. Are. Mission accomplished. All right. Well, thank you guys. Is there anything else we need to say? Nope. See you yeah. next time. Cool. Awesome. Thank you guys. Bye.